Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. So we are speaking about the, the vision of the Way City Church. So a few weeks ago, we started with um, G, the, the G and GED, which is growth. And we spoke about what it is to grow and spiritual growth. And two weeks ago, we spoke about the, the E in GED, evangelism. And then last week, we, we paused to address Halloween. And then this week, we're getting back to our vision series. So we're speaking about the D in GED, which is discipleship. So the vision, again, for the Way City Church is to reach the lost and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. We reach the saints and the lost by being relevant to our generation. We're completely open to becoming all things to all people, only without the compromise of God's word, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We desire to be a mission-based, multiracial, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, economically diverse church that loves God passionately and has a zeal for the spiritual development of people. So our, our GED um, vision encompasses the, the three main purposes of the church, which is number one, uh, ministry to God, which is worship. Number two, ministry to believers, which is nurture, teaching, discipleship. And then number three, which is ministry to the world, outreach and evangelism. So today we focus on the D in GED, and therefore, again, we're speaking about discipleship. So the word disciple is a, is a Hebrew word called uh, Talmudim, Talmudim, and basically it means learner, learner. And, and in the Greek, uh, the word means uh, pupil. So to be a disciple is to be a student, and to be a student is to be under authority. And every student must understand that the teacher knows more than them or has something to offer to them that they do not yet have. That's what every student has to understand. Pride will never allow you to learn. It forbids you. Pride is one of the greatest enemies of discipleship for it forbids you to learn. For you believe that, that you should be the one teaching the class. And there can be no pride in the heart of a student. So we're speaking today about discipleship and about being a disciple. And, and the greatest students, by the way, are the ones who ask questions. The greatest students are the ones who ask questions. For whenever you ask a question, you display humility. And it's funny how there can be um, two students in a class who do not understand what is being taught, and one will ask for clarity, and the other will not ask for clarity. Remember that one of the greatest foundations that you can lay for yourself is a foundation of humility. It will serve you well in so many areas. A foundation of humility. And uh, it, it's so easy to build upon humility, so easy. But it is impossible to build upon pride. So moving on, we, we, first, we must first meet him, Jesus, as a savior before we know him as, as teacher. We must first meet him and know him as redeemer 
uh, before we know him as example. So in, um, in Mark chapter 13, and if you guys have, have your Bibles, this won't be on the screen, but if you guys have your Bibles, um, I just kind of want you to see, but in Mark chapter 13, there's like the, the model or the skeleton, uh, the framework or, or formula for discipleship. I'm not speaking about the content of, of Mark 13, but I'm speaking about the, the structure of it. Uh, the disciples ask Jesus a question, and then they are silent as wisdom answers. That, that, that's the only point that I'm making from there. The disciples, they ask Jesus a question, and then they're just silent as wisdom answers. And then we see the same in uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 1 and 2, with the um, uh, Beatitudes. So Jesus sits down, right, on the mountain. Matthew 5, he, he sits down on the mountain. The disciples come to him, and then Jesus begins to speak to them. And Jesus speaks for the next 46 verses. Then going on to chapter 6, Jesus speaks for the entire chapter 6. And then going into chapter 7, Jesus continues to speak while the disciples are just seated at his feet, listening as wisdom speaks. And again, this is like the, the framework of discipleship. Jesus sits down, the disciples come to him, and he speaks. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. And they listen to wisdom as he teaches. And they're silent. So the message uh, today, I'm, I'm calling the making of a disciple. The making of a disciple. And we're going to be uh, looking at the parable of the sower this morning. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 13, please. Matthew chapter 13. <clears throat> all right, so uh, verses 1 through 9, first of all. And the parable of the sower is found in Luke chapter 8, and it's also found in Mark chapter 4, but we're going to be looking at the account of, of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. I, I can't help it, but can I just say, um, I love this, like, Jesus is seated, and the crowd is standing. I, I just, what if church was like that today? Well, if you guys were standing up and I was sitting down, that'd be pretty cool, right? <laughs> so Jesus, he's, he's ministering to the crowd, and he's seated on the boat, and the crowd is standing. I just, I, just, I just love that. Anyway, so Jesus went out of the house. He sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables. And then he spoke many things to them, many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. 
But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Pause. So Jesus is, is speaking, he gives this parable, he spoke many things to them in parables, and then he says, he who has ears to hear, let, let him hear. And now the, the disciples, they, they seek understanding. The disciples seek understanding, and they do it with a question. Verse number 10, here is the question. The disciples, they are seeking understanding based on what Jesus just said. So Matthew 13 and verse 10, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Mark, Mark 14 and, and verse 10, same thing. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. But when he was alone, when Jesus was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about parable. Luke chapter 8 and verse 9. Then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? Remember, the account is in Matthew and Mark and Luke. So I'm showing you, um, they, they came to Jesus to, to seek understanding. And in Luke's gospel, they say, they come to him and they say, what does this parable, what does it mean? Back to Matthew 13, verse 11. So they, they come to him, they're, they're seeking understanding, so they ask him a question. They say, why do you speak to them in, in parables? Why are you speaking in parables? What does this parable mean? And in verse 11, he answered and said to them, because it has been given to you, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. So Jesus' response to their questions, because it has been given to you to know, I speak to them in parables, I speak to the crowd in parables, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Verse 12 for whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Whoever has what? For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Whoever has what? Whoever has desire, whoever has desire, Jesus gives the, the explanation, I want you to understand, exclusively for the disciples. Everybody doesn't understand what this parable means. 
But Jesus exclusively explains this to his disciples. And we see that in Luke chapter 8, verses 11 through 15. And, um, and we'll read Matthew 13, 18 through 23 in a bit. But I want you to understand, he exclusively gives the, the revelation, the understanding. He, he reveals that only to his disciples. I want you to understand that, that the understanding is more important than knowledge. Or, or I should say, understanding is greater than knowledge. Knowledge is, is first, right, in, in, in process of order, right? So knowledge is, is first, right? And it's information. That's all it is. Knowledge is information. After knowledge comes understanding. Understanding is comprehension. And then after understanding come, comes wisdom. Wisdom is application. The ability to apply that which you understand. So you have knowledge, you have understanding, and then you have wisdom. You have information, you have comprehension, you have application. So you can, you can have understanding and still not apply it. Right, and an overweight personal trainer. Right, a, a, a smoking doctor. Right, an adulterous, cheating marriage counselor. Right, you, you can have information, you can have understanding, even, and not apply it. Many of us here, we, we know um, exactly what to do to get our car to start, right? We put the key in the ignition or we push the button and the car starts. And we, we know that. If we push the button, the car starts. If we push the button or if we turn the key in the ignition and the car does not start, then we're stuck. Now we have a problem because we lack understanding. So now we have a problem, and now frustration comes with that. So understanding also helps to eliminate frustration. So now there's, there's frustration, and you have no idea what to do. The cell phones that we have, we all know how to use them. They're, they're very smart. We know how to use them on a basic level. Right? We can use it. But the moment our phones stop working, we're stuck. We have no idea what to do, so we take it to... Uh, we call technical support. Why? Because they have, they have understanding. Right? They have something that, that, that you and I probably don't have uh, when it comes to certain things. So there are, there are so many things that we do with knowledge, yet without understanding. So many things in life that we do with information and with knowledge, yet without understanding. Um, I've said this before, but many people can pass. They can pass tests and exams. Right, just because of the, the content and the information and the knowledge without ever understanding. And I think, I think we are uh, almost trained in this country to do that. We, we pass tests, we pass exams based on information. And we may never understand that which we actually know. 
and we don't care that we don't understand. <laughs> we don't care that we don't understand. Many people are just winging it throughout life. They're just kind of winging this thing called life. And now to the church. So many people are, are comfortable with, with going to church week after week after week. Going to church, attending church, month after month after month, year after year after year without understanding. Without understanding. It's just knowledge, it's just information, but there's a lack of understanding, there's a lack of comprehension. These are not disciples. These are spectators. If you come to church and you, and you hear the word, and I'm glad that you're in church, but if you come to church and you hear the word um, and you don't understand it, you don't comprehend, and you're okay with that, then you are a spectator, not a disciple. Parabolic language is a, is a style of teaching where you hide the truth from the listeners so that they can discover it when they're ready. Parabolic language in context with what Jesus is speaking about in this parable specifically and, and in many other parables we can see that as well. So parabolic language is, is a style of teaching where you hide the truth from the listeners so that they can discover it when they are ready. You use symbols and items and, and things that people can relate to in order to deliver a message. The, the purpose of a parable is not to openly reveal truth. I want you to understand that. The, the purpose of a parable is not to openly reveal truth but rather to hide it, because you're working with a principle that's based upon a premise. And this is the premise, that nothing is truly yours until you discover it. Nothing is truly yours until you discover it. Nothing is truly yours until you discover it. That is the premise of the purpose of a parable. So it, it doesn't matter how much your, your teacher knows. It doesn't matter how much your, your rabbi knows. The information can never truly be yours until you discover it. John 8 and verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And I can say the same verse like this, you shall know the truth, and the truth that you know shall set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth that you know shall set you free. Remember that truth existing in the world doesn't automatically cause people to walk in freedom. Truth existing in the world does not automatically cause people to walk in freedom. Just because there's, there's truth here. It's the truth that's known and the truth that's applied that will benefit you. So parables, again, designed to hide the truth until the listeners are ready to discover it. I see it kind of like you're, you're whetting a person's appetite. 
right? It's like a, it's like a bite-sized treat. It's like a, a, a sample at the food court, at the mall. It's a, it's a sample, it's a, it's a taster. It's a, it's a trailer to a movie or, or a cliffhanger at the end of a TV show or a movie. It's a parable, and it's designed to get you interested and to, and to draw you in, to bring you closer, to create desire within you to want it. In Matthew 5 and verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Multitudes, I want you to understand this, multitudes and crowds many times are more entertained than they are interested. Many times the, the crowds, and we see this throughout scripture, uh, and it's true today, many times the, the crowds are more entertained than they are interested. The multitudes. They, they want to see a spectacle. I'm reminded of, uh, of King Herod, and we can look at it real quick. In Luke 23, verse, verse 8 and 9, many want to see a, a spectacle. Just like King Herod, Luke 23, verse 8 and verse 9. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. When Herod saw Jesus, he was, he was excited to see Jesus. He was, he was greatly pleased to see Jesus. Because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. He had, he had heard about Jesus and wanted to see Jesus. So he was excited when he saw Jesus... And he wanted to see him. He hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. So he wanted to see Jesus because he wanted to see a sign. That was, that was his interest with Jesus. Show me, perform some kind of miracle for me. So he's super excited to see him, and I, and I can see him, he's, he's smiling and he's laughing and he's just, he's just overjoyed to see Jesus. Come and perform for me, Jesus. Herod had no desire or interest for truth. He had no desire or, or interest for truth, but rather for entertainment. That was Herod. And then verse 9, he, he plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. He, he plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. This is very interesting to me. Jesus is before Herod. And Herod's pleased and excited to see him. And Herod asks Jesus many questions. And Jesus doesn't even answer him. Jesus doesn't even answer him. Doesn't answer his questions. Why? Because you don't cast your pearls before swine. You don't cast your pearls before swine. Jesus would rather ignore Herod than waste his breath his breath trying to feed him when Herod believed that he was already satisfied. 
Why would Jesus waste his breath trying to feed Herod when Herod already believed that he was satisfied? You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, You will seek me and you will find me when? When you seek me with all of your heart. You will seek me, but you will find me only when you seek me with all of your mind, all of your heart, all of your strength. Matthew 13 and verse 12. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. He who has interest will be given more. He who is hungry will be given more food. He who is thirsty will be given more water. But he who is not interested, who's not hungry, who's not thirsty, even what he has will be taken away. The issue here is an issue of hunger or commitment. The, the Herods don't receive the revelation. The disciples do. It's an issue of, of hunger and desire and commitment. Blessed are you, indeed, when you hunger and when you thirst. Then you're blessed and you will be filled based upon that hunger and based upon that thirst. The issue is hunger, again, or commitment. The disciples and the students, they left all to follow him. I want to remind you of that. Jesus' disciples, they left all to follow him. Speaking about seeking him with all their heart, they left all, they forsook all to follow him. And their reward was revelation. That was one of the rewards of the disciples, that they would receive revelation. They forsook all to follow him. The reward was revelation. And it would not be right for God to give secrets, his secrets to those who love it, and the same to those who despise it. It wouldn't be right. For, for God to, to bring forth his revelation and his secrets to those who love it and forsake all and seek him with all of their heart and mind and strength and give the same to those who despise it and don't care less for it. So the disciples, they, they paid the price. And your, your interest level, your interest determines the level of information that will be revealed to you. Your interest. your interests, the posture of your heart, your position. Remember, I think it's Hebrews 4, the word of God was preached to us as well as it was to them, but the word did not profit them not being mixed with faith. The same word was preached. We're going to get the understanding and revelation of the parable shortly, 
The seed is the word of God. The, the seed is good. But it only profited 25% of those that interacted with it. It had nothing to do with the word, but everything to do with the condition of the person that was listening. The word of God was preached to us as well as to them, but the word didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith. So the teacher does not always determine when to teach the lesson in the kingdom of God. But the student decides based on their hunger level and their interest and their maturity. I think it's First uh, Corinthians uh, 3, you know, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people. Paul said, I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual people. It's difficult to teach someone something that they do not want to know. very difficult to teach someone something that they do not want to know. It's difficult to teach someone a lesson that they don't want to learn. How do you teach someone a lesson that they do not want to learn? So parables are only to be explained when talking to students. I hope you guys are understanding this this morning. So we're, we're breaking this down. Parables are only to be explained when talking to students. You know, truth given without requesting it is almost a, a violation of the person's will to want it. So, so truth just, just given, truth just given without requesting or asking for it is almost a violation of the person's will to actually want it. John chapter 6, we're going to read here um, in just a moment, certain verses from John 6, because it's, it's really long. But, but in John chapter 6, we see that many people follow Jesus. I want you to understand this. This is, this is very important for you to understand this morning. In John chapter 6, many people followed Jesus. The crowds, they followed him. They, they loved him, right? They followed him. Wherever he went, the multitudes. Wherever he was, they were there. They, they saw the miracles, they saw the signs, and they saw the wonders, and they were in awe. They were among the, the 5,000 plus that was supernaturally fed. They witnessed all of that. And they were there, and they said, wow, wow. And they, and they stuck with him. But when Jesus, pay attention, but when Jesus decided to teach them, they loved him. The miracles, the signs, the wonders, they, more than 5,000 people supernaturally fed and they were there. But when Jesus decided to teach them, everything shifted. Everything changed. The spectacles, the sun, they, they loved it. But when he decided to teach them, they walked with him no more. The Bible says they, 
they walked with him no more. Jesus said to the crowd, unless one eats my body, eats my flesh and drinks my blood, you cannot be my disciple. And they walked with him no more. Jesus is not looking for crowds. I want you to understand that. Jesus is not looking for crowds. He's looking for disciples. He's not looking for the crowds. But he's looking for disciples. After Jesus fed over 5,000 people with the five loaves and the two fish, the people responded in John 6 and verse 14, and they said this, John 6, 14. They said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Wow. They said, man, I am convinced this man, he is the prophet who is to come into the world. They, they followed him because of the bread that they received. John 6, 54 through 56. Jesus says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. So now Jesus, he's beginning to teach them. John 6 and verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? So they also lacked here somewhat understanding. So they said among themselves, this is a hard saying. First of all, this, this, this truth is hard. I don't like it. I don't like what he's saying. And who can understand it? Verse 67, then Jesus, I mean, uh, verse 66, Excuse me. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Many of them walked with him no more. I want you to understand, if they did not understand, then you know what the role of the disciple is? to seek understanding. Which we see his disciples, the twelve, they do. But John 6 and verse 67, then Jesus said to the twelve now, right, the, the multitudes have left. So now Jesus turns to the twelve, the ones that are remaining, and he says, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So his disciples, 12, are still with him. Pick back up in Matthew chapter 13. Verse 10 through 17. So Jesus has, has spoken this parable, the parable of the sower. He's, he's spoken the parable to them. Then this happens, verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. And then verse 18 through 23. This is exclusive to the disciples. This is exclusive to the disciples right now. So they asked Jesus the question, why parables? They asked Jesus the question, what does this parable mean? And here's the, here's the answer. Why is there an answer? Because the question was asked. Verse 18. This is exclusive again to the disciples. Everyone, there's large crowds. Everyone doesn't hear this part. Only the disciples hear this part. Because everyone else has gone away. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, this is revelation now, explanation, understanding. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. Okay, Jesus, thank you for that. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word, 
and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Okay, Jesus, thank you for, for, for breaking that down, for giving me understanding. Now, he goes on. He who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Huh, okay, that's, that's what that one meant. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. When Jesus spoke verses one through nine, to the crowds, it was like he was speaking a different language. He's like, okay, you know, okay, I, I get it. Okay, so I kind of did all that kind of stuff. They scattered seed, but they had no revelation. They had no understanding. They didn't understand. But it was only the the twelve that thought it was necessary to come to Jesus privately and to seek understanding. So what I just read is the revelation. Jesus broke it down and explained to them what each, what each um, ground meant and what the seed meant. The seed was the word of God and he, and he broke it down for them. And now they have understanding. Why? Because they sought it. Because they, they asked questions. So they received revelation. If you lack understanding, if there's something that you don't quite understand, ask questions. If you're, if you're really interested in being a disciple of his, right? Uh, disciples don't, don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. So we are learning and we are growing. Ask questions. Ask questions. I didn't understand when, when, uh, when, when you said this. Can you explain it? Sure. Sure. I'll explain it. Ask Questions. And I think there are, again, many people in churches that have, have become accustomed to just sitting down, they, they hear the word, and, um, and we, have, we have teachers, right? So, so my goal, right, up here is to, is to impart understanding to you, right? Not just information, right? But, but I'm trying to break it down so you will understand. But if you still don't understand, that's okay. Ask questions. But I think there are, there are many um, in churches that, that sit through messages for weeks and months and years um, without understanding, but they never ask questions. 
so they're not growing um, as they should be. So ask, ask questions. John chapter 8, and you guys can, uh, can find this in your Bibles. I didn't give this to Sean, but, but John eight thirty one through 34. We'll read here. John 8. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a, is a slave of sin, and so on. But, as a disciple... Abiding in his word is key. And when you do not understand his word, you must seek understanding. And again, it is the truth that you know that will set you free. Truth exists in the world, but people are still walking around as slaves. Even though truth exists, in the world. It's the truth that you know that will set you free. So seek understanding. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them, teaching them, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. In John chapter 6, the disciples, they, they count the cost, and they follow him. They, they count the cost, and they follow him. His disciples did not follow the crowd. The, the majority walked away from him. But he, I mean, but the twelve, they, they stayed, they stayed with him. They did not follow the crowd, but they stayed with him, with Jesus, with the Master. In Luke 5 and verse 11, the disciples, they forsook all and they followed him. They forsook everything. The Bible says, and they followed him. And again, their reward was, was revelation. The disciples, they had access to, to, to Jesus. And they had access to information that others did not. Because they forsook all. And they followed him. And again, one of their rewards was revelation. And it was understanding. And then verse 27 and 28 of Luke 5, we see that the disciples, their lives are completely changed. 
completely transformed as they follow Jesus. So as I conclude here today, I, I hope that you can see by the, by the parable of the sower the, the importance of asking questions, the, the importance of, of, of seeking understanding. We have information, and then we have comprehension, and then we have applications. So we understand and then we apply that which we understand. And this is, this is the making of a disciple. The, the posture of a disciple is first to sit at the feet of Jesus, to have humility, and to learn. To be silent as wisdom speaks, and to learn. And when you don't understand again, you seek to understand. So you keep asking questions. This is the making of, of a disciple. And then eventually, yes, disciples make disciples and so on. But I'm talking about the making of a disciple. The posture that you should have as you are being discipled. So uh, discipleship happens Sunday mornings. Uh, light, right, through the teaching. Um, this is a part of discipleship. But it also happens throughout the week as well. So we have our, our small groups or our city groups that just began uh, last week, Thursday. Uh, we have one on evangelism and one on biblical application. And I really, really encourage you to, to sign up, if you haven't already, um, for one of those groups. Sign up for one of those groups so that you can um, be in fellowship with believers. Learn more about God's word. Be, be accountable. So we, we invite you all to, to sign up for one of those groups there. Um, and there's a third one that will be on The Chosen um, that I will be starting. So all three are on there. Uh, sign up for, for one of those groups um, or, or two of those groups. Stand up, please. And bow your heads, please. Think about the word that you heard this morning. I want you to understand that just like the, the so-called, the, the crowd, the multitudes, the, the disciples that walked with Jesus no more in John chapter 6, I want you to understand that as they said, this is a hard saying. I want you to understand um, that at the Way City Church, there will, there will be many of those moments. This is a hard saying. Man, well, that's, a hard, that's a hard saying. And when you hear hard sayings, I want you to respond the way that the, the 12 did and not the way that the multitudes did. The multitudes said, this is a hard saying and uh, too much for me. So they were out. 
The disciples, they said, uh, where shall we go? To, to, to who? You have the words of eternal life. You're the son of the living God. And we're going to stay here and we're going to stay with these hard things and these hard truths. And those disciples, they changed the world. Those 11 changed the entire world. They stayed. They were taught. They understood. When they didn't, they asked questions. They applied the word. And then when the Holy Spirit came upon them at the day of Pentecost, the promise that Jesus had told them to wait for, they changed the entire world. They were obedient. They were obedient. They were obedient unto death. Matthew chapter 13. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Beautiful. Father, we thank you, Lord God Almighty, that we have access to you. And Father, just as the disciples, as they forsook all and followed you, you are seeking a people, you are seeking a generation, you are seeking a man, you are seeking a woman, you are seeking a family that will forsake all and follow after you. The word says that the kingdom is like a, a businessman that spent his entire life collecting pearls, beautiful, special, special, valuable pearls. But when he found one pearl of great price, that he sold all of his other pearls, his entire business, and he bought that one pearl. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the pearl. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you found us, that you discovered us. But we see you as you truly are. We see you in your beauty and in your majesty. And we see you as more valuable than anything that this world or life can ever offer to us speaking to disciples may nothing else father get our attention the way that you grab our attention may nothing else keep our attention the way that you keep our attention may we may we be focused completely and solely upon you for you are the author and the finisher of our very faith we look to you and may we not take our eyes off of you And if you're in this place this morning or online, 
and you have not sold all to follow him you have not responded to this beautiful gift of salvation that Jesus Christ is, is offering to you he says behold I stand at the door and I knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and he's knocking on the door of your heart even this morning as you're in this room or as you're online and as he's knocking on the door of your heart if you say this morning I'm going to open that door I'm going to ask the Lord this morning I ask him to, to forgive me of my sins I see my brokenness and I need forgiveness and I need grace and I need mercy So this morning as he's knocking on the door of your heart, you can open your heart to him. And you can call upon him. Say, Lord, I need you. Lord, forgive me. Lord, save me. And he will do just that. So I invite you to, to call upon him this morning. To make him Lord, to make him Savior of your life. Repent from your sins, turn from your wicked ways and embrace him as he embraces you. He loves you and he welcomes you. So right where you are, just take a moment to call upon him this morning. You who are, who have already received salvation, take a moment and call upon him and tell him that you want to be a true disciple. Speak to him, speak to your father, speak to your God this morning. Speak to him. Tell him, <laughs> tell him like Peter said, Lord, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Ask him to give you understanding. Ask him to draw you close. Ask him to change your heart. Ask him to take those distractions out of your path and out of your way. Take a moment and speak with him this morning. Call upon him this morning. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.